Welcome to Catholic Family Stories. My name is Christiana. I'm here with my dad to introduce our next story. This one's about bravery, overcoming fears, and letting your light shine. It is God himself that can give us real strength against fear, even when we are tempted to give up hope. God's love for you is greater than this present moment. Today's story bounced around in my heart and imagination for years before I finally put it down in words. Elements of it are taken from struggles and the work of God's healing grace in my own life. I suspect that many of us have had terrible experiences in our youth that we carry into our adult life in various forms of fear. This story is about such a fear and how that fear can be dispelled by allowing your life to be ignited with the bright light of the Holy Spirit. Two of our favorite songs to sing as a family in the car are This Little Light of Mine and I've Got the Joy, 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 Joy Down in My Heart. There is every reason to celebrate each day and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack, like it says in Tobit chapter 7, verse 18. Be brave, my child. The Lord of heaven and earth grant you joy in place of this sorrow of yours. Be brave, my daughter. And, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Fearful Lantern by Joseph Scordato In the beginning there was no distress. The molten metal and glass glowed in a comforting reddish-orange hue in the smith's furnace. His young son pumped the bellows generating a strong, whistling, rhythmic breeze, enlivening the fire to creative force. Quick focus breaths, in, out, in, out, in, out, strong like a mother in labor, seemed to herald the birth of a beautiful moment. The smith smiled in deep satisfaction as tongues of flames danced, tornadic, as they breathed the strong air and engulfed the metals and glass in a torrent of joyous embrace. The whistling jumped to a higher pitch, resembling an airy chorus of sopranos. What was once cold and solid had melted into a semi-liquid abandonment to the smith's artistry. The boy smith then took the bulb of glass and gently blew through the blowpipe to size the glass to the right proportion. He worked with both the glass and the metal, sculpting, contouring, and forming the material while his father mentored at his side, directing the effort with love and fatherly pride. When the day was done, both father and son congratulated each other on the fine work and admired the small lantern they just created. I'm so proud of you, my son. 
the son's reply was to bury himself into his father's warm embrace and sigh for the goodness of life. The next day, the boy proudly hung the lantern outside of the smith shop to welcome potential customers. About midday, a group of passing street boys stopped to exercise their own cruel art upon the smith boy who was just then polishing the lantern with a small cloth. What is that ugly piece of junk? One boy jeered. Is it supposed to scare people away? Another retorted with unveiled sarcasm. The smith boy ignored their comments and continued to shine the surface of the lantern. This seemed to infuriate the boys, who found easy insult in this. That's not how to make it look better. Here, I'll show you how it's done. Bullied their leader as he snatched the lantern from the smith boy and threw it to the ground. The glass lens shattered. Aw, it wasn't too strong. Another boy mocked. Exciting a sinister roar, the boys erupted into mayhem, repeatedly jumping upon the lantern until they smashed it into a crumbled mess upon the street. The smith boy, who had been shouting and trying to fight the other boys off, were now the object of the attacker's malice. They grabbed the boy by the shoulders and dragged him into the nearby alley to have their fun. They kicked him, spat on him, and finally threw him to the ground in evil judgment as they began to stamp out his young life in the same manner as they destroyed the lantern. The frenzied would-be murderers would have succeeded had it not been for the bellowing of the master smith. I'll be throwing you into my furnace. His words rang through the air like the peal of a deep church bell. The assailants scattered like rats, leaving the boy lying motionless on the ground in a small puddle of sticky red. His swollen face, bloodied and bruised, masked the pounding pain in his head as his own heart continued to fight, throbbing against his incapacitation. The master smith hoisted his son into his arms and carried him inside to be cared for. In the following days, as the boy began to recover, he asked his father about his lantern. His father smiled warmly. Do not worry, it'll be all right. But it was destroyed, answered the boy. His father laughed an enduring laugh and abruptly braked his reaction into a serious stare. He paused intently before exhorting, You are a smith. All can be made new at your hands. These words trailed into the future like a song, free to run as wild as a summer wind. They weaved themselves into moments, glances, thoughts, and steady heartbeats. Time was no restriction. It was just a page for these words. On this page, the lantern was rebuilt and later purchased by a local inn owner as an anniversary gift to his wife in commemoration of the light of their love. She positioned it in a place of honor upon the mantel of the large fireplace located in the central entrance of their establishment 
known as Hospitality Hall. It was quite welcoming. The fire's warmth naturally drew guests. It was, at all times, the focal point for merry company and cheerful fraternity in the lodge. Its light and warmth illumined the hall to such a degree that it was indeed difficult to find a shadow in the room or even a slight draft. A frequent focus of conversation, particularly among the women and visiting celebrities, was the quaint little shining bronze lantern that sat decoratively upon the great hearth. Its polished bronze reflected the dancing flames of the large fire in a handsome dazzle. For many years, the lantern remained on the hearth and happily enjoyed the attention it attracted. It was well pleased that the light it reflected was cause for note and perhaps the light for others. It was wonderful to be a decoration and a deep solace to be adored rather than the object of aggression. None reflected the light of the great fire quite as nice as he did. The boys who had once tried to destroy him were wrong. Each approving comment he received validated this. He was attractive and not junk. This would always be true, he thought, as long as he remained on the mantle near the great fire and won the admiration of guests. However, he was not a decoration or an antique long since retired from lengthy and arduous service. He was a real functioning lantern, and one freezing dark winter night he was needed. It was a particularly frigid night, the coldest of the year. It was a sort of night when boiling water tossed from a bucket would freeze instantly into a misty cloud of ice. Many travelers had taken refuge in the lodge and naturally gathered around the great hearth for warmth and company. The innkeeper and his wife busied themselves with distributing hot cider and tea, spiced wines, and warm suppers. One guest produced a flute and merrily led the people in joyful song and dance. Those who were strangers prior to that night became friends, and many of those friends would later become family and celebrate generations of wedding receptions in that same place in future times. Such was the magic of Hospitality Hall. We tend to think of joy as a moment of happiness, such as that which was experienced by these revelers that evening. But no, we are all too close to our moments. Like a silly art student trying to view a beautiful painting by standing at nose length to it. Would it not be ridiculous to judge the art poor if all one saw was yellow or declared it a masterpiece because it was a particularly favorable shade of blue? We are unable to discern between what is joy and what is insufferable. It is from the wider perspective of time-born legacies where we can best recognize the handiwork of God. Illumination is the consequence of trust. Trust in the God who sees and knows all truth. It is through the myopia of fear that we refuse to see. 
What happened next was such an instance for our dear lantern. A mother's shriek extinguished the merriment in a sudden blast of alarm. My baby! My baby! cried the woman. Where is my Sorka? My darling Sorka is lost! She is not here! She must have wandered off! The woman paused only to interrupt her own desperate pant. She is only three and she is deaf! She will die out there in the night! Help me! Her pleas sent shivers to all gathered. There might be a chance that she would still be alive if they found her quickly. The fellowship took swift action to search for the missing child. Men hurriedly wrapped themselves into cocoons of scarves and blankets to bear the intense cold. One large man designated himself as the leader of the search band and grabbed a lantern from the mantle to light their way in the search. At the open doorway, he attempted to light our special lantern. The lantern peered out into the black, cold mystery of the winter night. There were no flames to reflect off his polished bronze exterior. Certainly, there were no ladies or dignitaries to admire him. He suddenly felt paralyzed with the anxiety of loss and inadequacy. How could he light the way? The man thrust the unlit lantern into the nipping night air. The cold stabbed, unleashing the lantern's self-doubt. Its body ached and contracted, creaking in the night wind. The man lit another match and touched it to the lantern's wick. In fear, the lantern's interior shrank away from the small, unstable flame that attempted to engulf the fuel-soaked wick. The flame licked the wick with a small blue tongue and flickered out in an instant. It left only a few tiny pinpoints of orange-red embers to fight the reluctant wick. Two further tries were made until the man exploded in impatient anger. Bah, this lamp is worthless. Who needs a lantern too afraid to light? He hurled the lantern far into the woods with a powerful underhand heave. The tiny lantern crashed through the trees, hit the ground of a steep hill, and rolled, spinning and flipping until it fell into a dark and terrifying ravine that resembled a wound pierced into the earth. Complete darkness enveloped the lantern. He was disgraced and discarded. The cold pierced him with memories of the day he was hated and smashed on the day after his creation. Perhaps... I am junk after all, he lamented, shuddering in self-pity. The cold night encroached further. Here, I, I, I will rust. Several hours passed as the lantern continued to sink into that sickening temptation of despair until finally by some grace his imagination was drawn to the great fireplace in Hospitality Hall. He recalled the warmth and light that radiated from it. He thought about how deep the firebox of the great fireplace was and what an unfathomably dark place its belly would be without the great fire within it. His contemplation seemed to be called further as he recognized his own state in the ravine to be very much like that of the dark deepness. He imagined himself already cradled within it, encircled within a giant alcove. 
From his imagination's view, he could see the saints and the hermits arrayed around him. Each stood in its own cave, like him. The lantern prayed, or rather, something wonderful, mysterious, kind and yet wholly familiar, prayed within him. Lord, take me to the hidden place of the saints, that special intimacy with you in the earth. Here I am in the womb of the earth where they prayed, where in the catacombs they worshipped you together, common death and communion of birth. The lantern was sweetened with a beautiful yearning sustained in exaltation and peace. He realized that the great fireplace's light was simply a footguard, a candlelight sentinel for the splendor of God. Love incarnate, inexhaustible, unchangingly humble, and timelessly new, penetrating and lifting. The lantern continued its longing, rapturously open to the grace filling its globe and whispered. You take my body and soul into your own heart, the forever home you have given us. I climb from the grave at your call. I sing your name because I can no longer speak words. You are both here and there, my God. You kiss my face and my tears, wash me in a flood mingled in your sweet light. My reach stretches like yours and gathers in families and creatures of your creation. You Make me a new ark, cradling them in the gentle rock and lullaby of your name. I can say nothing more. You are. You are. My youth sparks of embers still smoldering in the lantern's wick began to ignite. The small flame produced enough light for the lantern to see the icy condensation formed against the exterior of its glass. The glow of soft hues reflected inside the globe. As the lantern looked at light sparkling against the frosty pattern that had painted its globe, he noticed a face smiling back. It was a baby a baby with a halo that seemed to delight in him. It was the Christ child. Take strength, my dear lantern. You are my joy. The lantern's light rose in intensity in the light of this child's love. The ice curtain turned into tiny droplets of liquid water and gathered into large drops. The image of the child's face faded as the water dripped like tears to reveal the face of another child, smiling and shivering, but so happy to see light and a bit of warmth. The child was a small girl of about three years old. She clung fast to the lantern, 
the miracle gift it was. I heard you, young Sorkas exclaimed in wonderment. Her deafness was broken. I heard you speak to me. The Christ child's joy transfigured her into a blazing white light, as bright as fired magnesium. Together, Sorka and a lantern projected a beacon from the ravine that resembled sustained lightning. The unique light instantly attracted the rescue of the search party. The desperate men rushed to the remarkable light and peered down into the cavern. Sorka triumphantly held up the bright lantern, herself luminous in a radiant smile. Well, if it isn't the fearful lantern that lit the way, bellowed the astonished leader. They pulled her from the ground, quickly wrapped her in a blanket, and carried her to her mother's arms, warm and relieved, back at Hospitality Hall. Mommy, Mommy, I can hear you. My Sorka, my Sorka's alive. Unsurprisingly, the innkeeper had great difficulty trying to put out the lantern's flame, and so placed it at the entrance of the hall to serve as its entry light. The lantern no longer had need of admirers or associations with those of importance to allow his glow. It continued to light the once dark and cold entryway forevermore thereafter. It became the hall's herald. Sorka herself nicknamed the hall's entrance, the Cave of the Brave Blaze, when she visited with her family a few years later, and became well acquainted with the families of the village. One beautiful July afternoon, many many heartbeats later, she returned to Hospitality Hall, exhilarated in love and gleeful dance. The town celebrated her marriage to one of their own valiant sons. How joyful was the groom's father as he entered Hospitality Hall in procession with Sorka and his son through the cave of the Brave Blaze. He smiled at the lamp he created with his father long ago. The light. Reflected everywhere, the living God was worshipped. Here, there was no fear. Hello. This is Maureen. Today's story was performed by Thomas Pierce Sr. as the narrator. The Smith was played by Joseph Scordato, and the attackers were Joey and Christiana. The Smith's son was Nicholas, and Sorka's mom was played by Emily. The search party leader was Tom Pierce Jr., or otherwise known as Uncle Tommy. The lantern was played by Christopher. The Christ Child by Nicholas, and last but not least, Sorka was played by Cecilia.
Let us pray. Dear Father, you gave us your Son to be deeply united with us. Even in our daily pains and sufferings, to restore us and reconcile all of creation. This world can be cruel and hateful, leaving us with seemingly insurmountable scars and fears. We often act in unknowing obedience to these pains, even to our own detriment. Yet your Son, Jesus, unites with every ounce of our existence, lavishly forgives our waywardness, nourishes our souls with his own body and blood, imparts your own Holy Spirit to dwell powerfully in our being, and adopts us into your family, the Holy Trinity. With your white-hot flames of charity, you heal us and form us, the master smith you are, in the furnace of the Holy Spirit, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We emerge your sons and daughters, victorious over eternity. Continue your healing in us, O Lord, and grant us the patience and wisdom to see our present moment illuminated in this great lamp of your love. From our family to yours, we wish you a beautiful day of healing, insight, and the bravery to be the Lord's light to others. Our meditation music is Journey With Your Heart by Emerald Wind.